1: Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church.
2: Ruth is about God and His providence. It's not about Ruth, and it's not about you. It was written for you. The Bible tells us that whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope that you...
1: Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so delighted that you've chosen to spend time with us today on the broadcast. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's program, Pastor Keith will be taking us through a series on the providence of God, where we'll be making stops in the book of Ruth, In the Psalms and also in the book of Job. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of Ruth. Now, here's Pastor Keith with today's study.
2: All right, so we continue with our study of the book of Ruth. It's a powerful little book. It's like TNT or nitroglycerin. Explosives come in small packages. I wouldn't say that it does damage, it does good. This is the word of God. Uh, And so this is installment two in our study of the book of Ruth. It's entitled The Plot Thickens. Uh, It's Ruth chapter two. It's finding, and the series is called Finding Hope in Hellish Times, God in Everyday Life. And so here we are. But I don't want to jump in too fast. I want to ask you a foundational question here. And that is this. What is the Bible about? You've thought about that? What is the Bible about? About, I'm serious. Now reflexively, you might say God, and you'd be right. But I remember too with my toddlers saying, "What'd you learn about in the Sunday school today? God. What else? Jesus. You know. You, you know." And so you're trying to do okay. And as they got older, they got more out of it, of course. And of course, you know, sitting in the. Sur- I remember them sitting in the main worship service with us too every Sunday and seeing one of the daughters uh, when she was about 9 or 10 start taking notes, you know. And so it's all good. The Bible is about God. And so if you answered that, you would be right. But sometimes when we read the Bible, there's a very human tendency to read ourselves into the story. You know, you read a book about Joshua, you know, like Joshua, or you read about David and Goliath and Joshua and his conquest or Ruth... And you inadvertently try to make, you know, personalize it in a way that it was never meant to be personalized. I mean, maybe you've heard a sermon like slaying your giants, or conquering your fears, or something like that, you know. I listened to a sermon recently from a sermon series at another church called Courage, and the preacher was preaching about Joshua and the... uh, Jewish people crossing the Jordan to invade the promised land and the, and the, and the Levites went into the river with the uh, Ark of the Covenant and then the Israelites hurried across and when they got to the other side they stopped and they rested and the whole point of the sermon was you have to have the courage to rest too and that sermon had nothing to do with that text at all The thesis of the sermon was we live hurried lives and we hurry across our Jordans and we get on the other side and we have to have the courage to rest. It's not what it's about. It's about God's sovereignty and the conquest of the promised land. You see, sometimes we do things with the text we shouldn't do. And I'm sure many people found comfort in that talk. You have to have the courage to rest. But We need to avoid making the Bible about us because the Bible isn't about slaying your giants. The Bible isn't about conquering your foes or uh, overcoming your obstacles. The Bible is about God and his unfolding drama of redemption. He is the grand subject of every book of the Bible. Not me and not thee. All of which brings us back to Ruth. Ruth isn't so much about Ruth as it is about God. You look at what you say, well, the title is Ruth. The title isn't part of the text. We've inserted titles in there. The Hebrew text doesn't say Ruth. It just starts. Ruth isn't about Ruth. It's not about Naomi. It's not about Boaz or you, for that matter. Ruth is about God and his care for his people, in the form of divine providence Ruth is about divine providence there is some Christology in there as well but you say providence what is that and then some people say wait a minute this is going to be about theology not theology again that's like your kids saying not asparagus again I want to eat ice cream for lunch but as Spurgeon once said Theology is to the Bible what science is to nature. It is through theology that we categorize and organize our understanding of God and his word and our, his purposes. And so, in Ruth, as we discuss, is a surprisingly theological little book because Ruth is about the providence of God, first and foremost. Providence, what's that? Here's a simple definition. Divine providence is... The governance of God by which he, in wisdom and love, cares for and directs all things in the universe being in complete control of all things. Now as we work through this, I'll come back to additional definitions that I'll simplify for you. But that's one definition. Most of the time, you don't notice providence. Maybe unless you look over your shoulder at the past. Providence, though, often escapes our attention like right now right now earth's tilt is perfect to sustain life three or four degrees in either direction and we fry or we freeze but God as it says in Hebrews is upholding the universe by the word of his power and the tilt of the earth providence You see that word providing or provision. Providence also includes protection from dangers seen and unseen. Here's another definition of providence. Providence is the very real and active care of God for his creatures. We saw that intimated in Psalm 139 when we had our scripture reading earlier. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me when as yet there was not one of them. You see, you and I were created for good works in Christ Jesus to do the works that God prepared beforehand before the foundation of the world. And by his providence, we do that. Providence assures the working out of every detail of God's plan formed before the foundation of the world. And all of us, each and every one of us, has a role to play. Quite often, unconsciously, almost unwittingly, we don't know what lies ahead, but God does, and he has ordered the way. I think of a little boy playing in the city of Tarsus with his friends, unaware that he as a Roman citizen, has a passport to anywhere in the world when he grows up, this little Jewish boy who became Saul of Tarsus, whose Greek name was Paul. And what does Galatians 1.15 say about Paul? Paul is writing here, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. That little boy had no idea what was in store for him. He would become the gospel to the Gentiles, he would take the message of the gospel from the Middle East to Europe. I think of a boy named Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 11:5: "Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated, I set you apart. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. That's the Gentiles. If you're a Gentile, if you're non-Jewish, most of you are here because of God's providence from Jeremiah Paul, which brings us back to Ruth. Ruth is about God and his providence. It's not about Ruth and it's not about you. It was written for you. The Bible tells us that whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction so that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. That you might have hope. You see, God has raised us up for such a time as this, and he has told us about Ruth and Naomi that through the endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope in hellish times. And we are living in hellish times. Providence. Providence works its way into art. Art sometimes imitates life. And in William Shakespeare's play, As You Like It, the character Jacques, in his opening monologue remarks, All the world is a stage and all men and women merely players. They have their exits and they have their entrances and one man in his time plays many parts. Now I don't think he understood providence but he got it right mostly. Their play, your play, is God's unfolding drama of redemption that the Godhead, the Trinity, is the star. We are supporting actors, playing supporting roles. The question is how will we play them Will we phone it in as Christians? Will we embrace the role and get into character and manifest the character that God has called us to manifest? Some of us have bit parts. Some of us think we have bit parts, but actually play huge roles, having no idea where things are headed, like Naomi, Ruth, Boaz, Jeremiah, Saul, And some of us have more modest roles to play. We're in the background. We're in the foreground. We're backstage. But we know, we know that God causes all things to work together for good, for those who love him, for those who are called according to his purposes. And his purposes are mostly, mostly, mostly accomplished through providence. And Ruth's story is a case study in providence. And being called according to his purposes. And it is written for our hope. That you may find encouragement in difficult times. That you would look at this resourceless, helpless, destitute widow. And understand that she is an integral part of all God ordained and drew together for your salvation. For your salvation. Because through Ruth came the Messiah, right? She is the mother of Obed, who is the father of Jesse, who is the father of David. And you go through all the way the line. And you can see it in the, in the Gospel of Matthew and the genealogy. These are the ancestors of the Christ. And so today we look more closely. We delve and dive into Ruth, Ruth chapter 2, verses 1 through 23, And we begin to understand that God's care for his people includes us and down to the smallest details in our lives. And so I hope by examining this passage, we're going to organize it around four vignettes or four scenes. I hope that you will find hope and encouragement today. So here are the four scenes or the four vignettes. The plot begins to materialize. Things begin to develop. The plot thickens And then it's too good to be true, or not necessarily. And the context of all this is chapter 1, verse 22, and they arrived in Bethlehem at the time of the barley harvest to glean. So vignette number one, or scene one, the plot begins to materialize. Ruth 2, 1 through 3. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech whose name was Boaz. Well, what a way to start. And then things just shift. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him whose sight I shall find favor. Remember that, you know, this is harvest season and whatever is left behind, the poor and the destitute can pick up. And and Ruth is saying, hey, we're going to starve. Let me go, let me go glean. And whoever lets me into their field, I'll glean after everything is picked over. And Naomi says to her, go, my daughter. You have to notice, Ruth the Moabite. You see that title over and over again because that renders her unacceptable to almost all of Bethlehem. Moab was an enemy of the Jews. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. Boaz. Here's Boaz's title, who was of the clan of Elimelech. So what? What we're going to see here is that there are no accidents in God's universe, in God's economy. There's no accidents. There are no accidents in the world that you inhabit. I mean, what are the chances? Boaz is on a collision course, so to speak, with Ruth. He's of the clan of Elimelech. He's a distant relative of Naomi. She just happens to go into his field. And the passage says, you know, we'll tell you that he's a a worthy man. And I don't know why they translated it that way. It it says he's a wealthy man. And she happened to come into the part of the field. They have these community fields. And based on your clan, based on your family, based on the apportionment by Joshua to all the Jewish people after the conquest, you've got your little piece of land, you've got your little piece of of the community farmland. And so she goes in there. And she shows herself to be, you can see already that she's diligent, right? Verses 2 and 3, she says, let me get after this. Let me get to work. We need to eat. And she comes into this part of the field. And we're told a second time that he's of the clan of Elimelech because there's there's a reason for all of this. Everything in the world happens for a reason. What are the chances? So this plot begins to materialize and take shape two people seem to be on some sort of divine collision course probably a better description is divine appointment but before we get into scene two what's what's in it for you right what's the application here for you and it's this simply understand always no matter what happens to you nothing in your life happens by accidents including good things including bad things and all things in between Sometimes you have a a job promotion and it's really not a good thing because it may require too many hours away from home. Maybe that's a trial that God has ordained for you to balance the necessity of shepherding and caring for your family or supporting your family or pursuing uh, what some people would call uh, the American dream. Or maybe your daughter or son comes home from school and informs you that her teacher and the school counselor and the principal have determined that they're really of a different gender trapped within the wrong body when you know that such things are absolutely impossible in God's world. Nothing happens by accident. You have opportunities to play out the role that God has assigned you, to play that part a part that is bigger than you can see. Even in the routine and not so routine hardships, God is there. And from our text, we can see also that we're not puppets. Character matters. God declares the end from the beginning. He's going to have his good pleasure. It's, his will is going to be done. Each of us have a role to play, but each, each of us have choices within that role. Like a Elimelech had. And he chose not to play the role the way it was assigned, and it cost him his life. But we see here Ruth is a woman of character, and character shows its prominence in trials like this, in trials that you encounter. Character matters in terms of how well we play the roles that God assigns us. And so we see that Ruth is going to play her role with character. She's going to care for Naomi. She's going to work hard. She's going to make her way in the world. And she has no idea the blessings and the trials that lie ahead. Okay, scene two. Things begin to develop. We see that in Ruth 2 through 7. Verse 3. I want you to look at her determination. The, The way it's worded here, the sequence. She sat out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And then look at the next verse four. And behold, and behold, look. When you see a behold, it's uh, it's pointing the finger at something big. Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answer, the Lord bless you. They're pointing something out to us here. Lo and behold, basically, I, you would, we would say today. But it's, he, the Bible is saying, and look who shows up. Ruth is here. He's her relative. We hear that right in the opening words, the opening volley, of chapter 2. And then he shows up. And she happened to be in his part of the field, and he happened to come What are the chances of that? It's providence. It's no small thing. So this guy, he is a big deal. He is a, I think the theological term is a big dude in the community. And he's got resources. Now here's the thing. Often people with resources don't come through because they won't come through. I remember my father, when I was growing up, um, he said to me, he was a businessman and he had experienced some uh, victories and defeats, you might say, and those victories and defeats and his advice shaped my life and my work ethic and the way that I viewed the world. And he told me one day, look son, there are people who will buy you a cocktail, but when you're down and out, they will not buy you lunch. You never know. Ruth had no way of knowing. And sometimes the appropriate parties just don't seem to connect. And sometimes they lack character. But what we do here and what God does for us here in giving us hope in these hellish times is we look at them in their own hellish time, the time of the judges, when everyone did what was right in their own sight. We gain insight into the character and religion, religion in a good sense. of Boaz, his grieving to his reapers is telling often reapers were day laborers and not always shown courtesy or kindness in the culture it's doubtful they were all his regular employees because people didn't employ large workforces then and there are enough poor people trying to eke out a living hand-to-mouth day-to-day that if you needed your field harvested you might take an overseer and two or three key people and put them to work but almost nobody would do what he did Would would walk up and address them as a group He he would normally speak through his overseer That wasn't always the case But I'm just saying what we're seeing here Is an indication of his character When he says to them The Lord be with you And they say back to him The Lord bless you His greetings tells us a lot We see who he is and perhaps how he is then watch what happens in verse 5 and forward. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, the foreman, whose young woman is this? And the servant said, the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab.